1: Welcome back guys to another offseason episode of Aggie Hoops Weekly. We were finalists for two of the biggest college basketball transfers in the market and we missed on both. We're going to talk about the impact of that news where we might go from here and then a quick hit on some old Aggies that got paid in the NBA. Let's go.
0: Hey guys, welcome to the latest installment of Aggie Hoops Weekly. I'm Blake, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend David. And David, there's good news and there's bad news for Aggie basketball this week. Where do you want to start? Hit me with the bad news. What happened? Well, those uh, transfers we were looking for didn't quite come through.
1: Great. So I I presume you're talking about Kerry Blackshear and Quentin Grimes. So that's a hard no on on both of those. Is that right? Yep. Hard no's. It's awesome. That's good. We only have 10 scholarship players, so I was hoping those were both no's. That's good. That's pleasant news.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the fewer players, the better,
1: right? That's what I've always said. Anything over 10 is just a waste. So I think, that if anything, this is prudent. This is just, <laughs> words being economical. We've seen time and time again that college basketball is never a game of depth, right? All right, no, no. So let's, yeah, let's, let's hit the nitty-gritty. I mean, obviously, this is not a great week of Aggie Hoops news, and I guess we'll start with Kerry Blackshear, right, Blake? He was the... Presumptive best graduate transfer available. Some were calling him the best grad transfer in the history of the rule of grad transfers, which I honestly find kind of hard to argue. He was the best player at Buzz's prior stop, Virginia Tech, a second-team All-ACC big man who, quite honestly, would have vaulted us into instant credibility. But we weren't the only people buying for his services, right? We were fighting his hometown. Team, which was Florida, we were fighting probably the team that's best for his uh, pro prospects in Kentucky and a host of other suitors, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Memphis, um, among others. So my first question to you is, how seriously did you take us as finalists for his service? As
0: much as I wanted to believe and wanted to dream that we could actually land carry Blackshear, and I think Buzz gave it, you know, his best shot. What did we really have to offer? I mean, we're in we're in solid rebuild mode, so. I just didn't see a lot of opportunities to, to land Blackshear on on that premise. What's he gonna? What what does he gain by coming to Texas A and M? Other than you know the Aggie network and the intangibles we love to sell. From a basketball perspective, we weren't going to offer him uh, you know the same caliber of showcase that a school like Florida or Kentucky or Tennessee was going to offer. Those are high pro- profile programs right now. Texas A and M is not. The other thing that I that I look at is he's not going to be contending for a national title this year with Texas A&M. So I I don't really I just I didn't see a lot of opportunities there to honestly land his services just because there was so little that we could offer him other than, you know, stylish Adidas jerseys and and, you know, lackluster home crowds that maybe will be better Hmm. than we can expect uh, under under the prior regime.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it would have it would have had to have been a pretty phenomenal relationship with the head coach, right, to overcome all of those factors. So that was really kind of the only reason we were in it. Maybe it was a courtesy, I don't know. But personally, it doesn't sting too bad because I never felt like we were truly, truly in the game here.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It, like I said, it was nice to dream, but I, I never really saw it us being a viable option now the one that i do think we did have a a pretty decent shot at landing is quentin grimes he's a point guard out of the woodlands and it seemed like texas a&m might be the obvious choice when when he was leaving kansas to to be his next destination to play ball and he ended up going to university of houston so what are your thoughts on grimes
1: this one stings, Blake. There's no way around it. This one stings. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. We were the only finalists in play were Texas AM and U of H. This is a guy who came in as a top ten recruit nationally, five star point guard, kinda washed out at Kansas, as sometimes tends to happen at these programs, where they just accumulate as many stars as possible. In a scenario like this, I mean, if you're vying one if you're vying with U of H one on one for somebody's services in college basketball, you expect to win that battle. Uh, it's kind of an interesting snapshot into the potentially changing landscape in and around the Houston area because this is a Houston guy, right? Houston just made their deepest run in the NCAAs in a long time. They've got a commitment to facilities. They've got a commitment to a phenomenal head coach in Kelvin Sampson. I don't know, man. I'm trying not to read too much into the tea leaves here. The recruiting landscape might be shifting some. Um, It's certainly something I did not expect, but obviously you can tell I'm, I'm struggling to kind of put a pin in or to kind of wrap this point up, but I really don't know exactly what this means but I know it ain't great, right? It ain't great if we're losing one on ones to to U of H for for top uh, Houston area talent. So that one stings a little bit. And the end result is that we kind of came away with nothing after an off season or after an early portion of the off season with a lot of hope. We we came away with nothing.
0: Yeah, you're walking into to the next season with five guys who who are brand new to your roster, and you kind of need all five of them to contribute because you just don't have a lot of depth in, on this team right now. So. These these new guys are going to have to step up, and the the returning players are going to have to elevate their game even more.
1: Yeah, and I'm trying, Blake. I'm trying to hold off on fully casting my opinion on the roster until it's truly crystallized. But I'm with you. I mean, what we're looking at now: ten scholarship players, five of which haven't played D one basketball before. It's not too hard to imagine a world where walk ons are getting minutes, right? I mean, that's the sort of thing we just went through. Really, don't want to do it again. So it's uh, not a great week for us, but. The good news is there's tons of transfers still out there. I've seen us floating uh, floating offers out there for kind of lighter recruited guys. So we'll pull somebody in would be my guess, but it may not be as splashy as we had once hoped.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think that the, it goes without saying the most critical need right now is, is inside for, for the Aggies. Josh Nebo is the only post player on this roster right now. As phenomenally talented as he is, I don't see him being able to stretch this thing for forty minutes a night, so he he's gonna have to have some help inside, or we could be running some five guard sets and you know, roll the dice and see what happens.
1: One thing I do want to note, uh, the buzz effect has not always been an instantaneous turnaround. He was two and sixteen in ACC play in his first season at Virginia Tech. What are the odds do you think of something like that happening here? I mean, it's something he's clearly willing to absorb if he can't get his guys in place. Is how, how concerned should we be about a, a bottoming out before things might get better?
0: I don't know. That's an interesting question. I think that you'll see a team that's probably on par with what we saw last year. I don't think that they will get substantially worse. I could be wrong about that, but I do think that Buzz and the you know his approach to the game will elevate the quality of this team. So I, I look at, yes, you may have some deficiencies in the roster, but I think you'll at least get better effort and better execution out of this crew next year. So I, I don't see things taking a significant turn for the worse, maybe a game or two uh, fewer on the win column, but I don't see this being a, a, a an O for conference campaign.
1: Uh, no, I don't think I don't think we're in that territory. Uh, the the five returning guys we have are at least you know that's strong enough to compete with the bottom half of the conference. But it is a little daunting to look at that group of ten and imagine what life would be like if if no significant help comes in you know at all between now and and fall camp. So just something to file away. <laughs> But enough about that, because we actually do have some good Aggie Hoops-related news. Free agency opened yesterday. As you guys may have heard on yesterday's podcast, we had some Aggies who struck it rich. We had DeAndre Jordan, Chris Middleton, Daniel House, and Alex Caruso. Uh, The guys yesterday did a good job hitting the financials of Chris Middleton in detail, which the short version is that he just jumped into a pile of a a pool of money like Scrooge McDuck. But, Blake, tell us a little bit more about Middleton's story. It sounds like he's not exactly a traditional route to a five-year max deal.
0: Yeah, Middleton actually got the largest contract ever given to a second rounder going back to uh, 2012 when he was drafted. He was drafted in the second round by Detroit uh, with the 39th pick overall in the 2012 draft. So, you know, he, he worked his way through through the G League, um, played, played in 2012 in the G League, eventually got promoted to the big squad in Detroit. And then he was part of that 2013 deal that sent Brandon Knight, as well as Chris Middleton, to the the Pistons or from the Pistons to the Bucks in return for Brandon Jennings, and so at that point, that's where he really started to kind of cement himself in in Milwaukee, and you know has really developed into an outstanding player. Helped guide Milwaukee to the Eastern Conference Finals, where you know they had an epic showdown the, with the Raptors, who would go on to win the championship this year. I mean, the guy was outstanding. He played great this year. He's played great for the past several years. I was really happy for him to see him get a, get a great payday. He was making something in the ballpark of about 13 14 million a year uh, leading up to this. And now is making substantially more than that at roughly $35 million a year. So great
1: to see him get paid. And speaking of getting paid as a second rounder, DeAndre Jordan picked up four years and 40 mil from Brooklyn. And I mean, I, I know he hasn't touched Middleton money, but he's, his career earnings have to be in or around 200 million at this point. So maybe that's what we should push as our new angle is we will get you drafted in the second round, but in a way where you eventually make tons of money. It's not the sexiest pitch for a high school kid, but you know, it's it, I, I say that in jest, but uh, actually, on uh, a serious note, we are slowly starting to develop a footprint in the NBA. I wouldn't call it a significant footprint, but it's no longer jarring to see Texas A&M listed as someone's college, right? Like it's actually, you know, something that you're starting to see a little more often. So, can't hurt.
0: Yeah, definitely. And this this was really the most substantial free agent period for Texas A&M basketball that that I think we've ever seen. You know, you've got five guys in the league. Uh, the four that we 'll talk about now, and Robert williams and of those of those five, four of them were free agents and and all fared pretty well, considering their circumstances and where they 've been in their career so i, I think it's I think it 's a a good sign to to see the development of these players and see these guys actually making waves in in the league.
1: I want to hit Daniel House real quick because the the, the high-level version is that he signed for three years $11 million for the hometown Houston Rockets, which obviously it's great news for him. Um, uh, but Being a Rockets fan, I had kind of a bit more insight into his situation, and it was actually a little contentious this year, Blake. I know some of this made it to the national media, some may not have, but he actually was on a limited contract where he could only play a certain number of days for the for the parent club before he was going to get sent back down to the G League. Traditionally what happens is when you reach the end of that contract – you kind of, you know, if you're playing well, which he was, they'll set you up with a minimum deal for the rest of that year. Then you can reassess in the off season. I think the Rockets came in a little light. I think, you you know, given how well he was playing, he expected a bit more. I tended to agree with him. The Rockets kind of came in with that. Well, here's your happy to be here money. Let's talk about it in the off season. And he said, no thanks, and he went back down to the G League. I mean, it was an it was a very, very strong bet-on-yourself type move. The net result of that is he's going to make $6 million more now than he would have before. So hats off to him for, for believing in himself, for turning down the deal. I mean, that is a hell of a decision to make, Blake, when you haven't had a guaranteed contract in the NBA before and there's one sitting in front of you to just turn back around and go to Rio Grande Valley and say, no, thank you, and play in the G League for... I think it was five, six more weeks before they finally hammered out a deal that got him back for the rest of the season, you know, at a higher rate. And then that led to this deal. So I don't know, man, good on him for, for sticking with it because it's surely would have been awfully tempting to just take that first deal. Right. Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. That's, that's
0: the kind of money that's even, even that entry-level contract is, is life-changing money, you know? So at that point to, to bet on yourself and walk away from, from a solid paycheck and go back to the G league where you're making, you're making a whole lot less, you know, with the risk of injury and everything else. I mean, that's, it's a gutsy call. It's certainly a calculated risk, but he, he played it the right way and worked his way into a, a nice contract. And he's got three years with the Rockets to show what he can do.
1: All right, Blake, bring us home with the Caruso news. Cause that's the most fun news of the day. Yeah. ball boys going to get paid.
0: Yep. Caruso has gotten a qualifying offer from the Lakers after the Lakers have traded away half of their team and mortgaged everything they can. They're they're left with Alex Caruso, but, and I, 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 that sounds, that sounds derisive. Alex Caruso was actually quite good for the Lakers, especially in the last couple months of the season. I think he, I think he really was able to impress these guys and, you know when when you've got lebron playing gm i have no doubts that lebron signed off on this deal and said yeah let's keep this kid around i think he can play and so you know for him to pick up a 1.6 million dollar qualifying offer from the lakers it right now i think he's he's got a shot to be the starting point guard i i don't think that will happen i think he'll probably be coming off the bench but they don't really have a true point guard on the roster right now, other than Caruso. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens on that front. You know, with the qualifying offer, there could be another team that swoops in and offers more money. But I think he's at least got a solid, solid shot to to make a good run of it here with the Lakers.
1: And the, the best part is he got out of that transitional status, right? Because that's only something they can offer you for two years. So you you do kind of have to either you can no you can no longer have one foot in each on each side of the bridge right you gotta either become a, a full time guy or they're kind of gonna dump you so yeah. kudos to him for playing his best ball when the situation demanded it. I'm happy for him, man it's uh you know it's kind of funny he he was known almost for the memes more than anything else right because he was involved in the run up to lebron passing m j in all time points but in a weird way, he kind of like capitalized on the meme status right like people were aware of him they were they knew who he was, and then that's when he played his his best ball to close the regular season so I'm happy for him, man. It's a cool story. Yeah, definitely. And that's all I
0: got. I think, and I think it's interesting that you know, I, if I remember correctly, he was actually the first two way contract that the Lakers had offered to any of their G League players. So it's it's good to see him making good on on that opportunity to to take advantage of that two way deal. Like you said, he had played it out, and he he made his case, and now he's now he's going to stick around with with the big club, and hopefully we'll see more of him and
1: more memes. More memes, more buckets. Anything else from you, man? I think that's that's all for a week of off-season news. Yep, that's all I've got. Yep, yeah, that's all for me as well. So hopefully, Blake, next time we chat, we'll have a roster full of basketball players to discuss